Thank you so much, Kathy. So I'd already been prepping the sermon for this week, and I read this book to my son, and I'm like, well, this is a little convicting, because I don't know about you, but I'm one of those people that wants to fit as much as I can into the day, into the week, um, and just pack more in. So I'm always running from one thing to the next, and sometimes it comes at the cost of even sitting down for a family meal together. I was like, oh, yeah. If you don't sit down for a family meal, you don't actually get to talk to each other. You forget to know about what's going on in each other's lives, see what's going on around you. And it's interesting because often in our lives right now, I'm guessing a lot of us feel, if you give yourself a second, you're like, oh yeah, I felt some pressure this week. Maybe I felt a little anxious, a little stressed about something. Maybe I feel a bit depressed about something or a bit sad about something that's happened. It was interesting because I was reading an author that said that, and this isn't like psychology, psychological, clinical thing. This is just kind of just describing the emotions of our lives. But we feel anxiety in our life. We feel stress in our lives because we imagine that something bad is going to happen in the future. We imagine the future and what can go wrong. And then when we look, and then we often struggle with feeling kind of depressed about life when we think back to the past and we can't stop thinking about the bad things that have happened in the past. And then we feel even more pressure when we think about what's going on in the moment and what we need to do to not, to what we need to do right now. I mean, you get caught up in that, whether it's that we're thinking about things that have happened in the past or could happen in the future with our finances, whether we've got a school assignment that we're trying to get done, and we remember the bad grade that we got two years ago when we got a bad grade and we're worried that we might get a bad grade again, or we're worried about what could go wrong. We get caught up in this so easily in so many areas of our life. And it's interesting because in the first communion, Jesus says something about this. If we look at Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 to 30, we can hear what was going on and what Jesus said at the first communion. And for a little bit of context, Jesus was with his disciples, his first followers, his closest followers. And they're celebrating the Passover feast together. Like, this is a feast you'd celebrate with your family. It's kind of like Thanksgiving is to our culture now, where you sit down together with your family. And you have a big meal. They sat down together to have this big meal. And the disciples didn't know it yet, but this was the Last Supper. This was the last meal that Jesus was going to This was the last dinner that Jesus was going to eat with them before he was taken captive. He was tortured. He was killed. He was dead for three days, and then he rose back to life. They didn't know that was about to happen. This is hours before that process started, and they're eating dinner together. And here's what Jesus said in the middle of their meal. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and he blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take this and eat it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it. For this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Mark my words, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And then they sang a hymn. We got it in the wrong order. We sang first, and now we're going to be doing communion. Then they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. What's interesting is, like, often we think of communion as this process of take these actions. We drink wine or juice, we eat a little bit of bread, 
remember Christ dying, and we move on. But as Jesus instructs his first followers to take their first communion, as he instructs them to give, take these actions, he says something interesting. In the middle of verse 7, Each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. And what was that covenant between God and his people that this confirms? Jesus was pointing back to their past. Thousands of years before, God had made a covenant with Abraham saying, you are going to be the start of a great nation. Your children are going to, and your descendants, they're going to become a great nation. They're going to be my people. And that was the first covenant that God had made with Abraham. And then a little bit later, the nation of Israel had grown out of Abraham's descendants and became this nation. And it, God made a new covenant with them, with Moses. He made an agreement with Moses saying, here's how to have relationship with me. Here's how to have forgiveness of your sins. And there was a whole system of laws and practices and sacrifices of animals for forgiveness of sins. And so in the past, those that wanted to follow God had to follow this whole law. The book of Leviticus is basically just that. There's a whole book of the Bible describing that. And so as Jesus practices the first communion, as he leads the first communion, he says, look back to the past, to the promise, the covenant that God's made that he has followed. He said that he would forgive your sins. He said that he would do all these things. And he's been faithful to that covenant. Look back to the past. Remember that. And then he continues on. He says, For this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It got, is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. This is speaking to the present. They didn't know it at the time. The disciples didn't know what was going to happen in the next few hours even. But in the next few hours... Christ's blood was going to be poured out as a new sacrifice, as a perfect sacrifice, so that the system of sacrificing animals would no longer be part of what we had to do to be right with God, but that Christ's perfect life and his sacrifice in our place would give us the forgiveness of sins. And when we're anxious in the moment, we get caught up in the moment, we forget that that sacrifice is still working. God's been faithful in the past. He's made promises in the past that he's faithful to. But in the moment, he's still working, even if we don't know it yet. His disciples didn't know yet what Christ was talking about. But Christ knew that he was working in that moment. And then my favorite part, this is the part I've never realized about communion, is there's an element of celebration to it. We think it's a somber moment to remember Christ's sacrifice, and it is. But there's an element of celebration because Jesus says this in verse 29. Mark my words. Remember this. Pay attention to this. I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. That's a promise. That's a big promise for the future. Jesus says, I'm not going to drink wine again until I'm with you again in my Father's kingdom. And that's amazing because not just that will be with Christ. But I want to read a description of that in Revelations chapter 21, verses 1 to 4. They didn't know this yet. Again, it's funny because the disciples were sitting there at the table and they're like, okay, sometime in the future we're going to drink wine again with Jesus and his Father's kingdom. Well, what does that mean? And later, 
God gave a vision to John, and John wrote it down in the book of Revelation. And part of that vision describes what that new kingdom, that new heaven, that new earth, that Jesus is going to be drinking wine with us, sitting around a table, having family dinner with us again, where that's going to be. So he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And then I heard a loud shout from the throne of God saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain all these things are gone forever. If there's something to shout about, that's something to shout about. That's amazing. Not only does Jesus promise that he'll be with us again, but he says that we're going to be back in relationship with God. We started in Eden, in the Garden of Eden, God walking together with humans in the cool of the morning, just going for morning walks together. Jesus came and he was here on earth for 33 years. He walked among us. He sat down and he had dinner with us. And then he promises the next time that I'm going to drink with you, we're going to sit down for family dinner in the new kingdom, in the new heaven, the new earth. I'm going to live with you again. We're going to be in community together again like that. So when we celebrate communion, I think it's important that we look at the example that Christ set. We come in every morning. I don't know about you, but I come in every morning. I have plenty of things that I can be stressed about, things that have gone wrong in the past that I'm trying to work through, things that are going on in the present that I'm like, how do I control this? How do I make sure that I do what I need to do? And I have things in the future that I'm like, what if that goes wrong? What if this goes wrong? But God calls us to be, take communion and look back to the promises he made and the faithfulness he showed to each of us. He calls us to remember that he's working right now in your life, in your church, in your workplace, in your school, in your family. You might not know it yet. You might be like the disciples that don't know yet how God is going to work. But God has said that he's working right now and he's faithful to do that. And when we think about the future, there's plenty of things that can still go wrong in the future. But we know that Jesus has promised that he's going to have family dinner with us. He's going to sit down together again with us. He's going to live with us in the future. And so communion is a time to step into that. And how do we practice communion? I keep saying it's a family dinner because that's how it started. But as a church... We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We've chosen to follow Jesus. We've accepted God as the Savior of our life. We've accepted his sacrifice that he references here. And we said, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want to follow you. Then he adopts us as sons and daughters, which makes us brothers and sisters of Jesus and each other. And so we're sitting down for family dinner. And it's funny because family dinners are a weird thing. During COVID, I kind of missed family dinners. I was like, oh, man, it would be so nice to do Thanksgiving with the family. And, like, my family was in the States, and so it was even more complicated. 
But then after COVID, you get together for your first family dinner again. And hopefully your experience wasn't my experience, but my experience was there was some conflict. There was some stuff going wrong in my family. There's people I had a problem with. There are people that had a problem with me, and there were tensions. And so if we just sat down for Christmas dinner together and we're like, hey, we're so happy to be together as a family, that would be a mockery of it. We weren't right with each other. And so sitting down for family dinner, part of it is going, hey, we are a family. Am I right with my brothers and my sisters? Is there anything that, I know there's tension still that I need to resolve. And so God calls us to make each other be right with each other and invites us into that. So I encourage you, as we do communion this morning, not to let the fears of this world consume you, but to let the promise that God's given us of the past, how he's worked in the past and he's been faithful that you've seen, how he's working in the present and how he's promised to work in the future. I encourage you to let those reorient you and that you look to those around you, the people on your right and your left, as your brothers and sisters in Christ. And so now we're going to practice that a little. And we're already sitting in a weird spot. This is different. So I'll give a little bit of an overview of what's going to happen. We're actually going to have a little bit of a table conversation time. Um, Don't worry, you don't have to make up questions. There will be some questions on the screen. So you have a little bit of a table conversation time to share with each other and be encouraged. Then I'll come up, I'll lead us in communion together. And I'll give some directions on that because, again, it's a little bit different setup than we might be used to. Then we'll have a short time of prayer together at our tables. And then I lost the name. Grant knows who's coming up to close the service in prayer. So that's what's going to be coming up. So we can pop the questions up on the screen and take a few minutes to just talk at your table about what you've seen in these areas. All right. Let's do it. All right. I hope that you're having a great conversation, but if we can wrap it up in the next few seconds. If you had a great conversation started and I just ruined it, Invite somebody over for dinner or coffee, or if you don't, or if you're like me and you're like, eh, hosting is a lot of work, invite them out to your favorite place to go. Um, this is part of being the church. We get to sit around, we get to have conversations about these questions. Hopefully, some of us got going so much that we talked about other things. But that's the beauty of it is slowing down and having family dinner together as a church community. And Now is the time for communion. Um, You have supplies delivered to your table by some awesome volunteers. And so if you can pour a little bit of juice in each of your cups um, and get yourself ready. I don't think we're going to all pass around the same cup. Um, We know a little bit more about germs than they did 2,000 years ago. Feels a little bit less comfortable, especially last few years. That being said, let's see. And as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and he blessed it. 
This is a big chunk of bread. <laughs> I'm going to pray for the bread together before we eat together. God, we thank you for your body that was broken for us, that you would sacrifice your life, that you would let yourself be broken to bring peace and to bring life. We thank you for that. In your name, amen. So if you want to take a piece of bread from, we'll eat together right now. And after that, Jesus took the glass of wine. He took a cup of wine, and he gave thanks to God for it. Let's thank God for this together right now. Lord, we thank you for your blood that you shed for us, that it washes over us as the perfect sacrifice. There's no need for any other sacrifice, but that you would die in our place. And we thank you for that. In your name. Amen. I just want to remind you of what Jesus said at the end of this. He said, each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. He's been so faithful to keep for thousands and thousands of years. It's poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many even your sins right now, even what's happening right now in our lives. It's poured out for right now. And mark my words, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you, each one of you, in my Father's kingdom. That's amazing. So let's take a minute around each of our tables and pray for what God's brought to mind from the past and the present and the future there's things that came up in your table, there's needs to pray for, if there's things that came up to be thankful for, let's do a little bit of prayer time of thanksgiving together. And I don't know about you, some people like chaos, they like free-for-alls, I don't. So if you want a bit of structure, you can just select one, get a volunteer to pray for the past, one to pray for the present moment, and one to pray for the future. Um, but we'll give you a few minutes to do that, and then we'll close up from up front in prayer. So let's do that together. Hello there, family. It's my privilege to uh, pray with you now. And as I look around and I just think about, you know, how we are gathered here around the tables enjoying a meal together, I just want to give you a little picture. In the Gospel of John, chapter 14, Jesus says, in my Father's house are many rooms, and I go to prepare a place for you. Are you in that place? I think we are. This morning, the Holy Spirit has visited us. We are on holy ground. One of the things throughout the Gospels that Jesus said is, Behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. That kingdom is here with us today because of Jesus Christ. 
and we have so much to be thankful for. Over the past few years, we've been a little bit disassociated, but it, what, what a fantastic picture to see us coming together as a congregation, but, but not only as a congregation, as individuals and as a greater community today. Over the past two years, I've had the privilege of praying for a cousin of mine who basically calls me about 10, 15 times a day. In a time when things were cut off, God gave me a cousin that had a need of prayer and counseling. And he kept me involved in the church, even though things were not the way they used to be. One of his favorite prayers I'd like to pray with you today. But as we pray this prayer, we'll examine it a little more. So when the disciples asked Jesus how it was that they should pray, he responded by saying this, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let those words sink in. We are in the presence of the most holy God, the one who created us, the one who loves us, the one who is in command of everything that there is. He is on the throne. There is nothing that is impossible for him. He is holy beyond our ability to measure. He is so holy that it was impossible for us to be in his presence. And yet, the next line says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus spoke about this kingdom coming. And that kingdom was ushered in by Jesus Christ himself. And so we, because of his great love, has opened the door for us to be in his presence. Oh, Lord Jesus, that you would come and sacrifice yourself for us. What an amazing thing to think of. While we were yet lost and sinners, you died for us. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Oh, Lord God, we have so much to be thankful for. Your hand of blessing has been upon us individually as a congregation and in this country. And Lord God, forgive those things that we either do or don't do that would be contrary to your will. And Lord God, as those things happen around us, help us to forgive. Heal each one, Lord God. Bless each one. Heal this land, Lord God. And may we refocus ourselves on you. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Oh, Lord God, could it be said better? Help us to rest and abide in the grace that you have provided for us in your great mercy and love. May your Holy Spirit bless us and fashion us and cause our characters to be more like yours. And as we go forward, Lord God, 
may we be a light in this community. For thine is the kingdom and the power and glory forever and ever. Amen. O oh God, receive our worship. And may our hearts and minds, our spirits bow down before you, giving to you all that is rightfully yours. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.